0: series Homeward that we're launching today is all about that. It's all about basically uh, learning to orient our lives. And I think prayer, which is what the series is gonna be talking about, is kind of this space of tension that we enter with our Creator uh, and if you're spiritually curious and you don't know about God yet it, and you think you're just sort of here, maybe it's destiny, maybe it's uh, uh, the energy of the universe is one that I'm, I'm walking through with somebody right now. Whatever it is, uh, that tension that you're sitting in uh, inside your prayer or inside your meditation is what we want to talk about inside this series. Now, that said, as Christians, we believe that we understand prayer and that we're the only ones that understand prayer, and that our specific prayer life is usually the best prayer life because it's the prayer life that works best for us. And so I just want you to know that if that's your approach, I respect it, I grew up in it, I get it, and you are not going to enjoy this talk. (laughs) Uh, I also wanna say if you're at Kesed, you're probably willing to to investigate that. So hold on to those beliefs, that's fine. but just know that I'm gonna be doing the best I can during this talk to pry them out of your cold spiritual fingers because <laughs> because I really truly believe that prayer is alive and that it is meant not just for you but for the people around you and of course uh, for the legacy that you're leaving here and this faith that we are all a part of. So welcome to the series. Uh, I hope that you stick with me throughout it, but uh, I'm okay to live in the tension if uh, for some of you, you, you have you have you know, this makes you uncomfortable, Um, that's fine. Now, for those of you who are not at all Christians, like this is just, you're like, oh no, a series on prayer, like he's gonna make us stand up and chant something or try to make me say something under my breath, no I'm not, I'm way cooler than that and that would not be at all inviting or encouraging. But I will ask you to have an open mind. I will ask you to think that the spiritualism or the mysticism, or the energy that you think that you understand and are in tune in, I would like to say that there's actually a person behind that, that it's more intentional than you think it is, that it's more intimate than maybe you even think it is, and lastly, that it very well could be much more powerful than you think it is. So that's what we're gonna do, that's how we're gonna approach this series, and uh, I I think it's gonna be fun. Now, most of the time when we preach messages, about big, important spiritual things, big, important tenets of faith, like prayer, what I want you to know that most preachers, including myself, try to do is sell you on all of their great benefits. For instance, when we talk about faith, faith is a really difficult to understand topic for people who are new to it, so we always talk about how the Bible teaches you can't have faith without courage. You can't sit in that tension of faith without having courage because faith is, is requiring you to step out into something that's unknown, and it takes courage to do that. Now, people generally understand and want courage. So this is why we go to the movies and watch all of our epic heroes do the best they can until one day they, they drum up enough courage to accomplish the impossible task. We all want that. But in our spiritual lives, that tenant kind of sits within the uh, ballpark of faith. Another one is truth. People want truth. They want to know what's true. They want to believe what's true. They want to share what's true. But the Bible teaches that truth cannot be, be received well or shared well without love. But love is, like, romantic love's great, but, like, love your enemy love? Eh, I just want to speak to them truth. You're a terrible person and you know it. And so does your mom, right? That's, that's stuff like that. And, and love helps us kind of put that in a, in a better frame. Grace, for instance. Grace is another one. Grace is... This idea that that you are are a person who can move with empathy through life, but grace also overflows with the presence of forgiveness. You can't really have grace with somebody or have grace with yourself unless you can forgive the spaces that that you hold that person accountable for. This does not mean that you re-engage with people who are great offenders of relationship. It just means you have grace and don't hold those things accountable inside your own heart, because as we all know, it ends up impacting you more than it does the people that you don't have grace for anyways. This is how we teach these big, giant concepts, and this is how I have been taught prayer. Prayer is, is one of these things that I wholeheartedly agree uh, has massive benefits or blessings in our lives. They are foundational to our Christian beliefs, and it is beyond my ability to communicate how important it is, but, I don't love the way that I was taught about prayer, the way that I was sold prayer. Let me give you a a classic illustration of a sermon I sat in, where a gentleman was teaching on prayer. This illustration's been used for many different things. He used it for prayer. It stuck with me, so now I'm gonna give it to you. It says, the captain of the ship looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately, he told his signalmen to send a message. Alter your course, 10 degrees south was the message. Promptly, a return message was received. Alter your course, 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored. So he sent a second message. The message was, alter your course, 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course, 10 degrees north. I am Seaman Third Class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Okay, some of you hadn't heard it. Good, good, good. I didn't know if it would work because this is an old one. All the old Christians in the room are like, really, the lighthouse illustration? He's opening with the lighthouse illustration? But here's the cell. The cell is, in this sermon, once you embrace this picture of prayer, you can always orient yourself within the storms of life. Even if your problems are battleship level, prayer stands tall. Prayer is bright. Prayer is bold. Prayer is this thing that you can say, I am, I am uh, just uh, all over the place in my world, and I pray, and it's like, okay, there it is, God. That's what God has for me. That's where God wants me to go, or these are things that God wants me to step away from. This is often taught about prayer, and It's true. This is a true aspect of prayer. You can see it throughout the Bible. Psalms eight, uh, Verses like Psalms 18.6 highlight this kind of prayer. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. It's beautiful, and it's profound. When we pray like this, we can find God's presence in any storm a lot like a lighthouse, and we should. But lighthouses do more than just orient people. They also proclaim where the danger is by their very presence. A lighthouse proclaims, don't come here, for you will run aground. Here is the shoreline. They show where danger is. And this is also another true aspect of prayer. So another way that I guess prayer is like a lighthouse. Psalm 119, 35 and 37. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me my life in your ways. It's a beautiful prayer. Through this kind of prayer, we can discover where pitfalls in our lives might be, like a lighthouse. But there's also a lot of other aspects of prayer. There's many, many rescuing prayers. Psalm 107, 28 through 30. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. So yes, there are prayers of great rescue. And yes, a lighthouse can point you toward safety or proclaim where safety is, but no one in a storm ever saw a lighthouse and then asked it to come and get them. So prayer in this way is not really so much like a lighthouse. And then there are dozens and dozens and dozens of prayers of lament or great sadness. Psalm 143, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me, in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirits faint within me. My heart within me is appalled. Have you ever heard the description of an appalled heart? That is a heart that is incredibly sad, a heart that is full of great lament. And I just want to speak from a great scientific point of view that lighthouses don't care at all if you're sad. What about prayers of celebration? Philippians 4 The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayers of celebration are everywhere throughout Scripture. And everyone knows that lighthouses are most profound when things are bad. When things are dark, when things are gloomy, the only thing you do with a lighthouse during the daytime is put it on a postcard. And the truth is, some of us, that's the only thing we do with prayer as well, when things are good. We just put them on postcards or throw them on the back of our bumpers. So maybe in that way, prayer is also a little like a lighthouse. But lighthouses aren't really things we celebrate. You see, prayer, is more complicated than one classic illustration or one angle that I could sell you. Because people, all of us, approach prayer from so many different places and perspectives. What we see within the Bible is this, that prayer lies within a spectrum of places, positions, reasons, and even purposes. And that means if you fully understand and embrace prayer, and you believe that your viewpoint and your spectrum and your approach is the only approach, or I'll even add the greatest approach, then according to the Bible, you have a broken prayer life. And so do I, because I often have believed the way that I have prayer is the best way to have prayer. I'm a conversationalist when it comes to prayer. Uh, I, I, I admit that I don't get down on my knees for uh, 45 minutes at a time, and pray to the Lord. I talk all day with the Lord, all day long with the Lord. And I talk with him in my car, and I talk with him when I'm driving, and I talk with him, and I've never been one of those people that just sat in, in, in like this space for an hour, hour and a half at a time. Now I have other friends that they pray so very much, true story, that, uh, that, that they have to schedule their, th- their time with other things in life around their prayer time because that is how they connect with God and theirs is beautiful and theirs is important but my prayer life works for me and so people will ask how many hours a day do you pray and I'm like man if I added it up it'd probably be I don't know a good hour and a half I'm constantly t- talking with God wake up talking with God go to bed talking with God but then they're like well how do you pray and I'm like well I do it this way or I do it that way and then they look down on me and they're like ugh and then I look down on them because I'm like but you pray all this time and you're not like any different than you were last year. You're not growing in your faith. You're not overcoming these struggles and so I judge their prayer life and then they judge my prayer life because I'm a pastor and I should have the ultimate kind of prayer life and- By the way, why hasn't the church been teaching on prayer in every single sermon and on and on and on and on and on we go until all of a sudden you find yourself in this awkward space where no one wants to talk with anybody else about their prayer life because all it's gonna do is be like talking about politics or the virus or mass and all of a sudden we're just gonna be in a fight and the last thing we should do is be fighting over praying to God about how to come together. Amen. And so we don't talk about it. We pray about it. That's what we do. We're like, man, I gotta pray about praying over my neighbor. I gotta pray about how my pastor approaches prayer. And we have this broken system that doesn't work for anybody because, again, the Bible is what defines this for us Prayer is about holding and letting go, caring and casting those cares, searching and waiting to be found, and so on and so on and so on and so on. That's what prayer is about. It's about this multiple sort of uh, approach to how we connect with God. This is really prayer's great selling point. I'll put it on the screen. It's that prayer is effective in every circumstance and situation. All of them. For instance, I'm going to give you a living example of prayer's efficacy despite different spectrums, despite despite different approaches. And we're going to do it right here in this room. First off, I want to start by uh, uniforming everybody in this room to one way of thinking just for two minutes. So whether you're a non-believer or you're an elder from another church visiting or you're a christian who's followed god his whole life or you are a hardcore atheist sitting in this service in order to tell your friend afterwards all the things that this belief system got wrong whatever it is just for one minute or so okay be one belief system and in a sense become the everyday christian I want you to imagine, just in your own head, that you are the everyday Christian, whatever your belief system is. I know this is awkward for some, because again, Kesset is a place for spiritually curious, so there's gonna be all kinds of people in the room and online, but for sake of illustration, imagine you're an everyday Christian. When I say, prayer is, what's the first few words that come to the mind of an everyday Christian? Prayer is. Louder. Communication relationship i heard generous Generous? necessary, necessary. two more overwhelming, overwhelming. Yeah. good peace here's what i have important intimate hope bringing and life bringing now stay in that mindset you're an everyday christian now let's talk about the negative aspects of prayer as an everyday christian I wasn't joking. It's a real invitation. Letting you down. Huh? Letting you down. Letting you down. Mm. Time consuming. Confusing. confusing. Unanswered. 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 Say? Greedy? Greedy? Doesn't work. <laughs> Doesn't work? Is he listening? Don't feel worthy. I wrote confusing, hurtful, dangerous. And then I wrote the phrase, God told me to tell you. (laughs) See, what's funny is that I I relate to both of these these spectrums of prayer because as a cancer kid, I was a Dornbecker kid, so I had quite the young battle from age you know, three or four till 14, so prayer was a big part of my story, the big part of surviving, a big part of finding peace, a big part of being important, intimate, and hope bringing. And then as I went into ministry, I found out that not everybody uses prayer that way, and I can tell you, officially on this stage right now that most of if not every single big giant spiritual attack in my life from within the church started in a meeting where somebody said i prayed a bunch about this and i'm just here to tell you that god told me to tell you i had a guy uh, meet with me one time and uh, big big finance guy, I thought he was actually meeting with us to help us with some stuff, this is years and years and years ago, help us with some stuff we had in the church, but instead found out, he found out his daughter was going to the church and he didn't like it, and so he sat with me, never met him before, and he goes, oh man, I've just been in prayer all morning, I prayed and prayed and prayed about this, and I was like, wow, this is, this is gonna be awesome, like he's gonna help us, and he goes, God told me to tell you, you shouldn't be a pastor and you're supposed to quit this Sunday. And I said, he did? And he goes, I've never even felt the spirit of the Lord upon me like this before in my life. He goes, you were supposed to quit this Sunday and then give the name of four or five other real churches to the people that follow. Because I've been to a service and I didn't like what I heard and the spirit was grieved. And I'm here to tell you, that's how you can make it better. And you know what I had to do? I had to go pray about what God told this man to tell him. And I did. And so I went to some people in my life, some men and women in my life, and they prayed about it, and then we all got back together, not with him, and we said, yeah, God didn't maybe tell him that, and there might be other agendas, and so carry on, and so we did. I have multiple illustrations of people telling me terrible things in the name of God. And by the way, Christians are really, really good at that, and this isn't, an, don't tell people things God told you to, to God told you to tell them unless you know they're from God. You've prayed about them and you've usually affirmed them with other people, by the way, before you tell the person because it is incredibly damaging and derailing to be a false prophet and to share with someone something that God actually was telling you for you. That's why I try to always remind people to sober up, spiritually sober up in messages uh, because a lot of times in messages, people are hearing for the person next to them or hearing for the person that hurt them and they're not actually hearing for themselves, so of course when you feel conviction and you're thinking about your mean grandma, that you're like, that was definitely for her. (laughs) So many mean grandma sermons that Danny has hooked you up with, but that's actually not true, they're for you. And that's why you have to have a prayer life that is real and is alive. Now, what I also want you to know is that you don't get to diminish anybody else's prayer life just because you don't understand it. Prayer for those people, Christian people, everyday Christians, whether it's important or confusing or intimate or hurtful or hope bringing or dangerous, prayer can be and is experienced inside those spectrums by those people inside what it is they are feeling. Those are their spectrums of prayer and you don't get to dismiss them because it's confusing. Now, let's continue the exercise. Take yourself out of this congregational experience Imagine that this isn't a church at all. And instead, I want you to imagine yourself as an everyday non-believer. You're not in church. You're just at a really exciting, edgy talk with a guy in town that just wants to talk about spiritual things, but he's not a pastor or a preacher. He's just a guy that wants you to think outside the box you're limited in. <laughs> I really tried to sell that one, but it didn't, it didn't go that well. <laughs> You're non-believers, right? You're non-believers. You're in here in your mind. You're just here because you're curious, but, but you don't really know. When I start talking about and say prayer is, what's the first few words that come to your mind? Manipulative. What? Hypercritical or hypocritical? Both. Ignorant. Desperate. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. BS <laughs> Uncommon <laughs> Uncommon. I ha- my negatives were crazy fake, purposeless, displays weakness or proves that you can't make it on your own. <gasps> hey, hey, you guys are all non-believers. You just flip back to Christians right away. You're like, "Oh, Oh, you're not offended. You're like, yes, those weak Christians. Stay in the mindset, people. Don't switch back. Don't get all hurt on me. Now, we started off as non-believers with negative. As Christians, we started off with positives. So let's flip it around. As, as non-believers, what are some positives to people enter the subject of prayer? Change. Self-reflection. Meditation, self-reflection, hope. Forgiveness, Christ, my positives were interesting, depth, and encouraging. Could provide potential support through the thing that I'm going through. This, by the way, is why when I'm visiting somebody at the hospital, I never have to look for a spot because even the most liberal hospital has a space marked just for clergy. Because when people find themselves there, They, for some reason, feel encouraged and engaged with prayer. And so we are invited to walk into those situations no matter the belief system. When I go as a clergy, I don't even ask if they believe in God because I already know they want me there. They've requested it. The world has a viewpoint on prayer that is valid. And here's the thing. Prayer for these people can be experienced as all of this at once or separately. And you and I... Don't get to diminish this just because you don't understand it. These are the places of prayer the everyday non-believer can meet God at. And I know story after story, just like believers, of people meeting Christ and the Spirit of the Lord inside these broken places. Prayer doesn't just belong to you. Why would you want it to? Why would you want a God who is so one-dimensional, that you were the only kind of person he could find in prayer. So my question then is, this is for all of us, this is for me too, if that's the case, then why do I only pray in one dimension? Why do I only pray one way? Why do I teach other people to pray like me? Why do I minimize the way other people's prayers come across? Or why do I look up to other people who seem to have certain kinds of prayer lives that must be much better than mine? Why do I live outside the spectrum of prayer when prayer in and of itself is a spectrum? Communities that have the ability to embrace spectrums of prayer like this, they begin to report something very strange. People start to experience vibrant prayer lives. When we remove the shackles of what prayer is off of people, when we have sensitive prayer leaders who understand that different people pray and in different places, I've told the story many, many times that, that, uh, that whenever we do a, a prayer of salvation here at Kesset, it always starts off the same way. And I got it from a young man who had never prayed before in his life, and he came down after the salvation call and said, I just need you to know I'm mad at God and I don't believe in him. And I said, well, how do you not believe in a God that you're mad at? Like, you wouldn't be mad if he didn't. And he just kind of looks and he's like, you're right. And I go, and God's big enough for your, for your, for your angry belief. God's big enough for you to, to be frustrated. And he's like, but sometimes, sometimes I curse him. I say bad words in church like that guy over there. <laughs> like, like BS. <laughs> Which means bold spirit in church. That's what it means in church. I don't think that's what he meant though. But we'll pray for him after service. So this young man comes up, this young man comes up and he does this thing and then he says, well then you're saying I do believe in God because I'm angry at him and he can handle my anger. And I said, yeah. And, and he said, well then, then teach me to pray. And I said, oh, I don't have to teach you to pray. All you gotta do is, is talk to God. And so we had some more dialogue and we went off in a corner and I prayed for him and then, and then I said, do you want to pray? And he goes, yes. And then he got really quiet. It lasted probably 15, 20 seconds of just space. And then he just said, God, it's me. And he prayed this beautiful prayer, probably one of the most beautiful prayers. But his opening was so intimate and so uh, transformative for me that I, have, I stole it and I've been using it ever since. And every single time we do a salvation prayer, we start off with you saying, God, God, it's me because God meets you right where you are in little faith and great faith, in huge cry and celebration and grief and holding on and letting go, whatever it is. That's what God does. And that spectrum of prayer, I learned about prayer from this young man who barely believed in God five minutes into his faith and he's teaching me stuff about prayer. This is how we're supposed to move in the kingdom. This is how we're supposed to move in the body. We are supposed to be people who embrace all different spectrums of how God is communicating with all different kinds of people. This is how God meets with people. He finds them despite their spectrum of places, where they are, positions, how powerful or weak, reasons, even sometimes manipulative, and even purposes. And when he does this, what, he, what happens is he spiritually reorients them, and they begin to see the situation around them different. Imagine yourself in a busy airport, a lot like this one. Imagine that you're standing in the lobby like we all have, and You don't remember actually getting there, but you recognize where you are, and so the first thing that people would say in the classic illustration of prayer is that they believe they are standing in this spiritual lobby, staring at this huge reader board, most likely waiting through their prayer life to hop on a prayer plane so that they can be whisked away from their problems. God, it's me. I have an issue. Help me with it. And this is a valid, beautiful, normal, commonly taught spectrum of prayer, and I am not diminishing it, And I believe it's important and I pray this way. I bet you I pray this way 50% of the time. God, remove me from this situation. I don't wanna be here. I wanna be with you, we sing. I wanna be where you are. I wanna go where you go. I wanna be in this place. But when God does what he does within our lives and he reorients us, a reoriented life might realize that they might also be where they are for an additional or different reason, that they could be standing in this spiritual airport, staring at the same reader board, not just of all the ways God can fly them away from their problems, but of all the ways the Lord has been bringing his presence to them. Flight after flight after flight, how he has been arriving from every direction and to every situation, how he is there in every circumstance, he is there in every poor decision, he is there in every mistake, that it is not at all about departing from the story that is your life, it's actually all about God arriving in the story that is your life. And that in that place, suddenly this this spectrum of prayer does become about leaving some old past behind, departing when it's time, leaving the old man behind or the old woman behind, Scripture says, and departing onto this new creation, this new person, this born-again person. But sometimes it's about God showing up and not just removing the obstacle, but actually pushing you through the obstacle. It's about God arriving and saying, time to go to your house. And you're like, oh, but I didn't spiritually clean up. I got a lot of stuff in here. And God's like, oh, you, you brought bags. You thought we were leaving. That must be so embarrassing for you. Actually, we're going to your house for dinner, we're going to your house to be processed, we're going into your life to be evaluated and that's uncomfortable and that is true and also a valid spectrum and it is often the way that God works. This is what prayer has and is always doing and it is why people throughout the Bible have turned to it time and time again in different season for different reasons in a different situation, but over and over and over they pray without ceasing. People in the Bible pray while angry and rejoicing. People in the Bible pray full of sadness and hope. This is we do a disservice sometimes when we pull a psalm out, even like I did a little bit, and we're like, this is how you pray it. It's like, Lord, you are my refuge. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are awesome and great and beautiful. You throw it up on the screen and people go, boy, I wish I had a prayer life like that. But you don't know that a few verses earlier, the, guy, the same guy in the same passage was like, Lord, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna die. I'm pretty sure I'm drowning at sea. You have forgotten me. Your eyes look to and fro and I am not around. Thanks, Lord, for not protecting me. And then there's a breath and he's like, but you are my hope and you are my refuge. And we just take that part out. This is how prayer works. It's praying, this is important, while both asking and listening. I, this is a pet peeve of mine. I have a lot of people who ask me to join for them in prayer in asking. Okay, let's ask, let's ask, let's ask. It's sort of that departure flight. Let's ask God to get rid of or overcome or do this thing. And then I'm like, hey, whatever happened? And they're like, I don't know, I just, the situation hasn't been resolved. And I'm like, yeah, but what did God say? And they're like, why? I've been asking for six weeks. And I'm like, have you ever just been listening? Because it's super hard in a conversation to hear what the other person has to say if all you're ever doing is the talking. Then there's the other side of it. Because all the listeners in the room are sitting around with a little bit of pride right now. You're like, that's right. You should pray and listen. Some of y'all, though, all you do is listen. Like, you don't ask for anything because you don't want God to let you down and you want to be well-known in the prayer community. So all you do is like, what, God? What, God? What, God? And then they're like, you know what? God's doing this thing. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I was part of helping to organize it. They're like, well, I've been praying about that. And I'm like, you didn't tell me you were asking for that. Well, I wasn't asking. I was listening to what the Lord was doing and then I just put myself a part of it. There's no risk in that. You're just a listener. You don't ever ask. If something difficult happens in your life, you're like, well, it's the Lord's will. You just listen, but you don't ever actually ask. We have to be people who both listen and ask. Pray with sadness and hope, pray angry and rejoicing. How about praying powerfully and with weakness? How about praying boldly, but with meekness? How about praying together and with loneliness? How about allowing prayer to do exactly what it's doing in this room right now? Where some of you are asking and curious about prayer because you're lost, and some of you are asking and curious about prayer because you're found. How about you stop thinking you know all the answers to prayer and just pray? How about you pray curious? How about you pray angry? Like the young man that came to me after youth group. How about you pray wherever you are, however God is ministering to you? Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is available, prayer is willing, prayer is pushing. Prayer is pulling, prayer is quiet, prayer is convicting, prayer is helping, prayer is holding, prayer is nurturing, prayer is healing, prayer is intimate and prayer is grand. Prayer is with you and prayer is with me and prayer was with the people next door that don't even know we're praying for them right now. What would it look like to be a community that knew what prayer is? and held it with open hands instead of those hands that maybe we started the service with when we said, you're not gonna take away this from me because I need it and I lean on it and it's important and it is. But with great spiritual respect, I just want you to know, prayer's not yours. You don't own it. It doesn't belong to you and frankly, it's often meant to give away more than it is to keep. And so maybe we don't have the church of prayer we want because we don't all know what prayer really is. And maybe there's somebody in the back row who's struggling with something big and bold that's clearly seen from the outside, new to this faith, and they're the actual only person in the room who actually, for the first time today, knows what prayer is. Because they're willing to sit in that space to be with God and to ask him fill them with more questions and more curiosity and more peace and more conviction, and more all these things. Maybe then we would know what prayer is and we'd be a church where people would come not to hear a sermon or song or, or, or be a part of something so they weren't lonely. They would, they would come mainly because they heard people there can receive prayer and share prayer. Wouldn't that be an amazing experience? Wouldn't that be special for us in this room to all finally grasp and know what prayer is? So let's do that. Let's take some time and just pray wherever we are, however we want within our minds, with our eyes open, with our eyes closed, with our heads bowed. Whatever it is that you're feeling led to do, maybe here is the place that You can experience where you are and how prayer is working in your life. And then I'm gonna ask the worship team to come out and they're just gonna pray a like a song over you, a presence of God's song over you, and you're just gonna be able to sit in that space and ask God to highlight where it is He's meeting with you right now. Let's pray together. Lord, prayer is happening right now. It's being experienced, it's being engaged, it's, it's probably being avoided, it's being lifted up or set down. Prayer is at the center of relationship with you. And so Lord, what we hope is that we could just sit in that time and ask and listen and receive and give that whether we are young people, concerned about the school year or relationship or pressure, we're adults in our mid-lives trying to make sure we make the right steps and do the right things for our kids, for the people around us, for the businesses that we're part of, for the church that you've brought us to. Maybe we're much older. We're wondering where our usefulness is. We don't feel as connected and as valuable anymore. Or maybe God, we're none of those things. We're just human beings hoping to be seen by the one who knows and brings all things. Whatever that space is, Lord, we feel We pray that your presence would fill it. That your experience would be what we walk away with. That we would be able to be people who are truly curious about what it would look like to just say, God, it's me. Can you tell me what prayer is? Can you show me? Can you reveal to me? Can you bless me with it? We just lift this space to you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: right now, I'd like to sing this over you.